All right, everybody, welcome back to the Move Podcast, talking about stage 13 of the Tour de France. Uh, as has been the case every day this summer, uh, the tour coverage brought to you by Ketone IQ, of course, made by HVMN. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Got a couple special guests today sitting over there uh, to our far left, left of George, uh, uh, Mr. Spencer Martin. How you doing, buddy? Good. Thanks for having me back. I know. I'm- well, back by popular demand. There was a lot of... A lot of requests. I've been loitering outside the studio for like a week, <laughs> so I got, I got to come back in. Yeah, and I have a special gift for you in a little bit. And then, and then also today, a very special guest. You guys have come to know and love him. You hear him every day. You hear how, how much joy it actually brings to my life. Uh, our good friend Alana Zizi is here to actually read um, uh, the stage start and finish in person. And so uh, without, without further delay, uh, Alana, where, where do we go here on stage 13? Actually, I'm on strike today. <laughs> okay, well, you, you're going to cross. You're going to cross the picket line today. The fr- French thing. Uh, today, we're going from uh, Châtillon sur Chalaronne to Grand Colombier. Châtillon bravo, sur Chalaronne bravo. to Grand Colombier. That is amazing. I mean, you know that every day when when we play the recording, it's just it, it just. It, you see a, like a noticeable difference in me when it, when it just, I don't know, it's just something like, okay, for example, like, thank you. Uh, like, give me just a couple other towns we cruise through. Oh boy. Um, one is called Le Montaillet. <laughs> Le Montaillet, there is one that's, that's pretty good actually. Saint-Maurice de Rémence. Oh, I love that's that place. Oh, yeah. Oh, Saint-Rambert en Bugé. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, b- and there is one, I'm not sure I can pronounce actually. And there's another one, Cormoranche en Bugé. I love that place too. So, and, and also for those uh, who, who followed, uh, I was just reminded of this when I saw you pull up on that little scooter. Uh, for those who followed George and I's little uh, Dumb and Dumber reenactment last summer uh, with the, with the, the coat and going down the hole, that was, that was your little scooter bike. So when you pulled up on it, I had a little, it's like, man, maybe we should bring that's back not, Dumb and Dumber. I think we should. I think that's not a bad idea. I have to borrow another jacket from somebody. But Alain, thanks you for coming on. Happy Bastille Day to yeah, you and all of right. our French that's listeners. And uh, what did you think about the French riders today? Well, they were tried. You, were you pleased? They tried. I, I think Made they tried. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great to have to have yeah. a frog, you know, crossing yeah. the line <laughs> first. But I guess they tried. So yeah. Yeah. Well. Happy Bastille Day. You gotta wait another year. All right, buddy. Thanks. We're gonna bring back JB now. Thanks for coming. Merci beaucoup. And it's what's funny is 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 I saw Alan last night and he he had actually I don't know if you've been listening or people told you like it's it's just this whole thing I get such a kick out of hearing these start and finish downs just I don't know I'm a simple man voila voila okay thanks buddy thank you let's bring back in JB JB I know you're uh, he was standing there I felt I felt a little you know you feel a little jealous energy from people sometimes <laughs> there was like a thing there for a minute we're all replaceable. Um, I always, I always, that's the motto. Today's show brought to you by Mont Cush. Kind of a special uh, a tweak on this story today. Uh, and I've just sort of been, I, I, I do track the weather uh, just uh, all around the country. And certainly when it's, um, uh, when it's really severe, uh, uh, the folks at Mont Cush have been really affected by all this, this, the storms and the flooding in the Northeast. I think you said, George, apparently they're, some of their facilities were flooded out. Their, yeah. where, their warehouse, the warehouse was out. flooded. Yeah. So, and if you saw Sully on the show about a week ago, you sort of saw you saw the backdrop and you saw the beauty of it. Uh, to get that news is is uh, 
that's that's crushing for for the team there at Montcush. Yeah, the whole town in Montpellier are really just been hit hard by this storm. So we wish you, we wish you guys all the best, and uh, hopefully things will get cleaned up and you guys recover as quick as possible. Yeah. So Montcush was started by Sully, uh, who who again we had on the show last week. Uh, he was trying to help his daughter Devin with a medical condition. Uh, they grow their own organic hemp in Vermont, as we just discussed. They use a custom 200-ton press to extract pure rosin. Uh, they utilize this groundbreaking nanotechnology called SENS, which is self-emulsifying nano delivery system. And that's why we have probably why we have Spencer here today to uh, break that down. Little <laughs> propeller head that he is. Um, no stain, no stink. Use as much as possible. As they say, more is more. If you're in pain, get on over to Montcush. Now, that's with a K, M-O-N-T-K-U-S-H, montcush.com. Use the code THEMOVE. That gets you 30% off your entire order. Again, that's montcush.com. Also today brought to you by Speed Play Pedals. Speed Play Arrow is proven to help you save minutes across a Grand Fondo distance. Speed Play Range has options for every rider, including... Uh, pedals with power, and and just so you know, and and um, if you you know ever ridden together with me or we've been out on a ride together, I've been on speed plays for about twelve years. Uh, actually, no, since two thousand twelve. So I guess we're now. I'm in my eleventh season riding speed plays. Uh, love them. Uh, Wahoo speed play pedals are proven in the peloton. The speed play range provides superior adjustability, easy clip in with dual sided entry, and increased power transfer helping you make the most of every pedal. Now you can save 20% off on select full-price products by using the coupon code THEMOVE at checkout. Head on over to wahoofitness.com slash themove. Again, that's wahoofitness.com slash themove. And uh, 20% off. Well, uh, uh, Michael Kwiatkowski, a couple of uh, uh, fun things about him. His age has snuck up on me. He's 33 years old now. And as I look on the stats here on pro cycling stats, he's had a hell of a career. 31 pro victories, I think two times Amstel. Spencer, this is all your jam, but two times Amstel. <laughs> uh, uh, this is second stage win on the tour. But in, in your mind, he was still a new rider, right? A fresh I, name. I, yeah. I, here's, the, here's the reason I, I always associate him with, uh, with being a young rider is, and of course, every year now we do the up-and-comer show, and, and we really rely on Johan to just identify young riders that, uh, that he sees making a difference in the sport in the future. And, and, and as we know, he's, he's rarely wrong. Um, and I remember, uh, it, it, this was source, of course predates our up-and-comer show, but the first guy I ever ha- heard him say, hey, watch out for this guy, was Michael Kwiatkowski. And that was obviously a long time ago, and, and it's proven, uh, proven to be true. Yeah, he's been or he's been at the top of the game for a long time, world champion, um, and the team. His team right now is you know they're they got Pitcock up there in the in the chase group, Rodriguez. They're looking really good for podium spot. Now they have a stage win, and I feel like that's gonna just motivate the team even more. And we're gonna see more and more of them get going in breakaways and fighting for that third place spot. Well, you and, might. I'm oh, sorry. Go. Do you want- What's your Enios assessment, well, Spencer? Great. I thought. Yeah, George brings up a good point. Great day for them. Good. Good GC stage win. You really can't ask for more than that. No. But Kiefer, you might think he's younger than he is because he won World Championships 2014. You're like, wow, this guy, next big star. He has had a pretty good career. What two Amstel Golds, World Championship, two, San, two, San Remo, San Remo, E3, mm-hmm. like a lot of good wins. Two Tour stage wins. Two like, Stradibianchis. Yeah, like, I, like who wouldn't love to have that Palmares? But 
he spent, I'd say, the peak of his career, like he won that world championships and he gets parked. I think he was on quick step at the time. He goes over to Ineos, team's guy at the time. Huge paycheck, I'm sure. Massive. Like they just blew everybody out of the water. Mm-hmm. Parked him on the front of the Sky Train for the peak of the Froome, Garrett Thomas reign. And his career, I mean, if you look at his results, didn't win a lot during that time because it's just a different type of training. It's just steady state, steady state on the front of the peloton. I thought it had like ruined his ability to win races, but the fall of Ineos as a GC team has like given back the rise back to Kiyovkoski. And now we see him like hmm. winning. I think he could have been doing this the whole time, but financial security <laughs> is important. So that's right. I agree with you 100%. When you're in that role of, protecting your GC leader and you have to ride at the front, you almost lose that mentality of that little piece you need to cross the finish line yeah. first. Um, so that's a great point and I agree with you wholeheartedly. He's a very humble. He's, uh, By the way, Johan gave Quito his first uh, pro contract. Yeah, so and, and well. it just shows you how good my memory is. I was looking here on his his bio and he, he raced for Radio Shack. Race, we raced, in effect, we raced together in 2011. I didn't do a lot of racing in 2011, but... Uh, I see here on, yeah. So if all that steady state polling puts you in that condition, how did he get it back, in your opinion? I don't know. It could just be what George is saying, where it's more of a mental mindset, yeah. and that it's not an actual physical degradation of his like ability. Yeah, well, and if you listen to his post-race comments, I mean, he was, you know, he got in the breakaway, 19 guys, very, very aggressive start once again. Very little chance of actually making it to the finish line, because UAE went right on the front. In fact, we were all like, okay, this is not going anywhere. But man, a group of 19 guys, strong guys like that, that are not that many climbers, good rulers that can haul ass on the flats. You know, that's tough. We saw how hard it was to control those guys. And then all of a sudden, uh, Kiyotasi's in for with a shot and he took advantage of it and yeah. uh, pulled off an amazing victory. Did you mention that, I, don't, I, I was spaced out for a second, uh, nothing new there, but uh, did you mention Enios is now in the lead on Team GC? I did not, no. Yeah, so they just, so Bahrain, Bahrain, Bahrain had the lead, and uh, after today, Enios is now leading the team GC. Which, you know, for uh, as a team who went to go try to win the tour for so many years and did win the tour for so many years, we didn't really care about team GC. But if you're not winning, I mean, it's 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 a big deal. It's a huge deal. Huge. To finish on the podium in Paris as the best team in right. the race. It's pretty awesome. Only got to do that one time in my career, 2007, with your one of your favorite riders. But it's still a special feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back and look. And it is interesting, Ineos, like think about 2017, 2018, like they're not doing this. They're not sending someone in the break mm. to poach a stage win. Like their style, like today is an example of just how much they've changed their style. They're not sitting on the front. Their GC guys are, I guess, safe. They're either going to stay there or they're not going to stay there. But they're going for stage wins. Like this is a completely different team than right. we used to see. Well, and not only that, but it'll be interesting to see if they actually really want this team GC. Because if they do, then you're going to see a whole, whole different tactic right. coming in where they're going to have to start controlling guys that are close to them, teams that are close to them in the Team GC. And what will happen is it'll help UAE and Jumbo, you know, like they did today. They, they rode at the bottom of the climb, uh, did some hard tempo, which, you know, we didn't understand quite why, but they're certainly in the run for the Team GC, and we'll see how, how serious they are about keeping it. And, 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 and uh, Tom Pitcock had a good day. So as we've watched this thing develop, and one of the big questions we have is, all right, we have Benga Gard and Pogacar, who's... Who's the third step on the podium? Uh, Pitcock looked good today, so that then starts to, you know, be another thing that they can play. Absolutely, and now today, seeing all the all the riders saw Kiyotaski make it to the finish line on a day that was very low chance that the breakaway would make it. So it's just going to make the racing even more aggressive. It's going to make the directors more demanding that their guys get in the breakaway because they see that there is a chance, given the right dynamic, in a breakaway. Yeah. 
who knows if that's replicable? I mean, he had a three minute, 45 second gap with, ten, with 17K to go. With 10K to go, it's 315. I don't know how accurate that was. But, and then what, he finished 50 seconds in front of Pogacar. So he lost, you know, two, was that like 240, something like that mm -hmm. for the last 10K. It might take a world championship, like a world champion's pedigree to hold that off. That yeah. is pretty impressive. Well, yeah, and for those that are just listening, this is what I love about Spencer. Uh, you're probably at home listening going, he's reading all these, whatever you just said, you know, three something at su such and such comma, the other one at another comma. No, no. Nothing's that, in front of him. No, nothing. He's not reading anything. That's just burned into his brain, um, which is. But we're, we're seeing on, on a day like today with so many guys in the breakaway, we're seeing them work together really well until yeah. the final, mm -hmm. final climb, which is very rare. Normally, a, a big breakaway like that, 19 guys, they start attacking, trying to get a head start before the climb. You know, it causes all kinds of chaos within the group. But today, they work together really well all the way to the start of the last climb. And the group behind, and that's, this is one of the questions we had. Of course, we, we put Johan on this because he's so good at uh, digging this stuff up. Uh, yes, Kwiatkowski held them off. It was, we were sort of uh, questioning whether the GPS data was actually accurate. And, and when we're watching the race live, I'm always sort of questioning that GPS data coming from the bikes or, or the riders because it just doesn't jibe sometimes. Uh, and, and the group behind was hauling ass. I mean, they looked like, the, you know, they were going twice as fast. So, uh, Johan dug up. So, of course, as we talked about yesterday, they, uh, we finished on top of the Grand Colombier in 2020, which was won by Pogachar. And then, and then uh, of course, today, and Pogachar was in that group, and we'll talk about the, the race uh, within the race with, with Vingegaard, but uh, he went a minute and a half faster than, yeah, that's uh, than, than three years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, that, I was actually surprised by that. I mean, it. Well, not only, not only that, but. He only went with five, 600 meters to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. that's a minute and a half faster. His guys did all of that work, and he right. went with a minute and a half. To well, go, and consider 600 meters ago. in 2020, you're racing for the stage win. This time, you're just controlling the race and, and trying to set up for perhaps for a late attack, which he did do. But to go a minute and 90 seconds faster, that's a lot. It is a lot. It shows you how much the level's risen. Just like if we were talking about Bernal this morning, could he get back to his former level? I think it's two different questions. His former level probably, it, former level isn't what Pogacar and Vingegaard are at now because the level has risen so much since 2019. What does is, what is Johan always say? It's gaining a percent annually. Right. Yeah. And so getting back to your level from three years ago, you're, you're behind by a few percent. And, and I think it makes Kwiatkowski's win all that more impressive. I mean, if, if, if had they gone 90 seconds slower, you could say, yeah, of course he, you know, he had a better chance holding them off. The fact they went 90 seconds faster and he stayed yeah. out there, that's a baller ride. Absolutely baller ride. Today's show also brought to you by Pillar. I got a question for you, George, because um, you, know, you have a very chill life. So did, did you get some good sleep last night? Lately, I've been sleeping like a baby. I know, because you have a very chill life. Well, I actually work for you every day here. So as all of our viewers can imagine, it is very far from chill and uh, <laughs> relaxed. It's the, quite the opposite. <laughs> but, I've, but I've been drinking this new product from the feed called Pillar. It's a magnesium drink that typically doesn't taste that great, but this, this thing Ooh, tastes amazing. Does it work? I love work, it. Yeah, it's it works. It's working for you. Tastes great every night before bed. I, you know, I, I put it in my little pillar water bottle, shake it up, drink it. It's only 40 calories and sleep like a baby. Is that that? I've seen you drinking some pineapple, coconut stuff. Yeah, that, that's it. Tastes good? It tastes amazing. And it's, it must be expensive. I mean, if you're getting a free night's sleep, it's got to be a bunch of money. It's actually just over a dollar a day. Imagine that. A dollar a day for a great night's sleep. 
Can't beat that. No, I agree. And my wife is at home going, she's on, she's ordering, right? And she's waiting for this next line that tells her how to order. She's the worst sleeper of all time. Yeah, it's, it's a great product. They're from Australia. The Feed discovered them, and now the, the Feed is the exclusive retailer of the pillar. Awesome. So if you guys want to sleep uh, stress-free, stress just like the Diva George, head on over to thefeed.com slash the move. Get 20% off pillar. Again, use that code... Uh, Sorry, the code is the move, but go to thefeed.com slash the move. Speaking of the feed, uh, I got a, a couple things. And I don't, I can't believe I didn't. You know, when I was talking about the Basque country and how special it is and how it's, you know, really rugged and, and, and uh, green and there's a bunch of art and culture and food. It's amazing. And they have this fucked up language. Um, <laughs> which, and I was talking about these A's. And we were all trying to look up like what a Basque A looks like. The guys at the feed, look at this. They made me my own. Oh. Look, look at that A. Is that fucked up or what? That's, that's <laughs> what it looks like. And then they did it again on the last name. That's, and, I, and we had a Basque winner yesterday. How I didn't notice this yesterday. I was having an off day yesterday. I'm back today. I took a little, I didn't ride. I'm resting up. But uh, it did, doesn't end with my uh, Basque uh, bottle here. All right, I got a couple gifts for you guys. Oh, wow. I don't, no, particular, no particular order here. You should take rest days more often. You're in a better mood. <laughs> Let's advocate for at least one rest George, day for once a week. George was yesterday. Uh, by the way, you, you need to learn how to spell namaste. He was texting me yesterday like, dude, you need to. Bro, be, spell check. He needs to, He's like, you need to be namaste. And it was totally, it was like spelled. I don't even know how. But uh, <laughs> that means you're not namaste. Anyways, uh, no particular order. But since you're our special guest today, uh, Spencer, I've got the feed. Uh, Help me make a couple bottles. All right. How about this one? Oh, man. The propeller head. Here you go, Here you go Spencer. Oh, thank it's you. It's got like a Chinese math chart on it. All right. All right. And uh, uh, everybody else gets gift. Uh, uh, JB, we got you on here. Uh, teamed oh, up with the guys at the feed. Huh? Nobody knows what JB oh, means. Oh, dug it up. Wow. <laughs> Jeffrey Benedict. Oh, man. Uh-huh. And the guy that came just, just crawling into the, the start of the tour and... Uh, uh, to the coverage here at the move, uh, George. Uh, oh, Mr. Five O. Huh? That's right. Love it, George Five O. By the way, it was his fiftieth birthday. If you if you weren't watching at the start, and uh, and one of our listeners noticed yesterday, she called you out for having uh, really low energy. Also today, brought to you by HVMN. We're getting closer to this mountain bike duel with Michael, the CEO of HVMN. Probably another reason I took a rest day. The guy's talking about it. You know, he's swimming in, in ketone IQ. And I'm like, all right, bring it, dude. I'm not going to take it from anybody. I don't care if you're our title sponsor. It's, it's, it's I've never seen him ride a bike. I've seen him run. And well, he's, yeah, like, no, he's we're not, like a mountain goat. No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take that bet, even if I was swimming in ketone IQ. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, HVMN launched the world's first drinkable ketone in 2017. Ketone IQ is their latest innovation on ketones with improved effectiveness, taste, and cost. Um, also, not just uh, a lot of riders in the tour using this, uh, a bunch of uh, real athletes in the special forces um, out, there, out there doing hard work. <clears throat> you can save 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at HVMN.com slash The Move. Again, that's HVMN.com slash The Move. And subscribe at checkout for 30% off. Last one of the day brought to you by Roka. Oh, and I just happen to have these sitting here. I mean, with the, come on. If you're not watching the show, which should be, yeah, this is blue steel. I got a blue hat on, and I got the blue titanium aviators. 
I mean, Rob and crew, I hope you make more of these. Cause when people see this, this shit's gone. <laughs> Even Spencer's like, what? Clean, this, what? clean, <laughs> clean shaven, clean yeah, shaved good. up, had a big call, big presentation for next ventures yesterday. So I had to get, I even wore a nice shirt. Um, but Roca is, is they're changing the game. They've revolutionized eyewear, uh, not just on the performance side, the casual side, the prescription side, absolutely the best optics on the market, crystal clear, fog resistant, scratch resistant. And when you're out sweating, like our friend Michael at HVMN is going to be doing tomorrow, uh, he's wearing his robe because they're not going to slip off your face. They've got the no slip technology, um, also hand built in our hometown of Austin, Texas. Looking forward to moving back there. JP, no, I'm not really not looking forward to moving back there in August. Let's be clear. August is not the best time to show I know, up. I know. It's like <laughs> I've been complaining about seven months straight of snow. My ass going to get down there in August and go, when is it going to snow? Like, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our listeners, uh, the Move listeners, get 20% off. Head on over to Roka. That's R-O-K-A dot com for 20% off. Use the code THEMOVE at Roka.com. The code's THEMOVE. So you guys keep giving me a hard time that I started off slow. So every day I want to continue to you know up the game. Yesterday we had Mateo on. Thank you, Mateo, for being on the show. Today, I went straight to the source of the director who won the stage today, a good friend of mine, Steve-O Cummins. I just want to read you his quote from today's stage. Steve-O's coming on the show? No, no, he, he, he said, I, could, I probably could have got him on the show, but... No, you know, Steve-O, we, we the guy from Jackass. Oh, we got our <laughs> propeller head here, so we're you know, kind of busy on the stage here today, but... This is from Steve. Personally, I'm enjoying the race a lot. The route has been super cool with a lot of opportunities for aggressive racing. We all know that. And credit to all the teams. They have made the most of the terrain and raced full gas. From our perspective, we are in a fight for the podium with two very young and exciting riders. We don't have a big responsibility to control the race, which gives us the opportunities like today. And credit to our riders because we ask them a lot to take on the win on the flat days. Fight for breakaways and hang on as long as possible in the mountains. Kyoto deserves, I probably said that wrong. Kiyotoski deserves his victory. He has been an amazing Kyoto? road. Kiyoto. Kiyoto deserves his victory. I thought he was Hang Polish. On, let me I thought he was Polish. Kiyoto deserves his victory. He has been an amazing road captain so far. So good. We are looking forward to the next stages and the final week. We're enjoying Chow George. And then he's not done. And then he said, yesterday, there was 100 attacks. And they all went with him. And the 101 attack went. And so they, he feels that the team really deserves the victory today. I agree. Yeah. No, they rode great. And when you, we don't have to get the answer today, but I am curious if, uh, if the team GC is something that, it's not that they wouldn't care about it. Is it, some, is it something they plan on trying to maintain or work for? Or, Do you want me to ask? Or? You don't have to right now, no. All right. All right. No. I'll, I, I'll ask and I'll I don't want to embarrass you if he doesn't write back while we're still on the show, and then you have to, you know. But, no, I'm curious if they're going to, um, if right. that's something they're uh, interested in. Okay. So Pogacar puts in more seconds. Mm-hmm. We've already seen the same move. He could do this through the Alps. What's your assessment of the top two? I'm, I, I want Spencer's assessment. I, I have thoughts here. Uh, mine might be a little more uh, um, firm, maybe than Spencer's. I'd imagine. But uh, Spencer, what do you what What do you say? like? If you if we, we've got what just over a week to go, and some obviously a ton of hard stages. Got the time trial. What? How's this play out? I'm concerned I'm squatting on a bad take, but I, so Pogacar's unbeatable. Like what, what was today's effort? A minute, two minutes, even out to 10, 15 minutes. If, if you give him a clean run uphill to the line, no, no one in the world is beating him. Like mm-hmm. 7.5 words per kilo. It's not happening. But that's not the rest of this tour. Like the Tour de France is about the high Alps, hard climbs tomorrow, hard climbs Sunday, time trial Tuesday, and then more hard climbs the week after. That's where... 
Vinegar is really, really good. Mm. I, I think we haven't even seen him in his best terrain yet. The fact that he's still leading the race is impressive. It's a, it gets a little, it messes with your head because you think, well, Pogacar's unbeatable. He's just storming through these climbs. But it, frankly, I would have wanted him to take more time today. Like th- this is the last stage that really, really, really suits him over Vinegard. Hmm. I think he should have gone earlier, taken more time. I, I think it all, but then in order to do that, I agree with everything you just said, but in order to do that, you have to make that stage hard before and not let him, you know, uh, sit on the back and wait for the final climb where he can go 7.5 watts per kilo for 5, 10, 15 minutes. But in order to do that, you have to have a team. The jumbo team I saw today versus the UAE team I saw today, and and maybe we heard some reports that they were they were going to take it easy today, or, or or you know, or not kill themselves in anticipation for the next two days. But if you don't know that, and you're just looking at that, UAE was five times stronger as a team today. So you know, they're, and UAE's not going to ride on the front at a, at a tempo that's going to put Pogachar in a position where the gas tank's going down. Um, I, there's there's been I, I, there's been a shift here. I, I I think now I'll get to the part that I think. I mean I think I think Pogachar uh, is in the driver's seat. I don't I don't I think it's I don't want to say it's over, but I, I I think he's he's the dominant rider, and we'll see tomorrow, and and we'll break down that in a sec. But um, I just think Mr. Momentum is firmly uh, living on Pogachar Street right now. I don't know. I think uh, Pogachar is clearly he's one of the best sprinters in the peloton yeah. uh, in, in terms of definitely in terms of the climbers. So today was essentially a sprint. He sprinted for 600 meters and got a few seconds on, on Jonas. It wasn't actually a, a, what we think we, what we thought we was going to see where we were going to see was an attack, you know, halfway up the climb, try to get some real time on Jonas. He got He did a sprint and got a couple seconds. I don't think it's over by any means. I'm leaning on uh, what Spencer said. Mm-hmm. Did UAE get hustled today? That's what I'm wondering. They work all day on the front. They probably let too big, big of a breakaway go. They work all day. They really were going hard on that funnel climb. Yumbo sat up. Like those guys, like Wout Van Aert, super strong. Like you didn't even see him. He just mm-hmm. sat up. Yumbo has something cooking for tomorrow, I think. I agree. With Sepkus going in the early break, really tough stage, really hard to control. UAE just put a lot of energy in to not get the 10 second time bonus. It's not ideal. It actually kind of reminds me of 2020. Like, is, are they letting Vinegar just hang around? Like, if you go back to 2020, Yumbo just let Pogacar hang around, hang around, hang around. It's yeah. like, oh, we're going to beat him in the final time trial. It doesn't matter. I would want to leave it up to that. I would want to take as much time as I possibly could on Vinegar if I was Pogacar. Well, I, I think I think Vingegaard is a very. If you go back to 2020, um, nobody saw that time trial coming, yeah. right? No, including Primoz, especially. Primoz Roglic. I mean, that was the shock of his life. So th- these are this is a very different dynamic. And I hope you're right. I mean, th- look at. I mean, tomorrow's stage is uh, never flat, up and down, up and down. You got you know, cat three, two cat, three cat ones, and then a uh, horse category over Juplan. That's that is a hell of a day. And yeah, you could imagine a team, and also short, 151 kilometers. Team starts to make it that. That's a beast of a day. And JB knows the answer to this, but do you guys know how many times Pogacar has beaten Vindegaard in the third week? of a grand tour in a time trial? Zero. <laughs> Zero. It's never happened. See, that's, that's, see folks, this is why he's here. <laughs> and, I, mean, I was like, I don't know. How many? Let's, let's not forget UA looked better today on the climb, no doubt. But when they sort of looked like they were doing a rope a with Adam, um, Adam Yates attacking, but he still, uh, Jonas still had Sepkus there. Uh, our American hero chasing him down and and showing that hey m- most of our team's gone but we still got our strong climber here 
Um, so essentially, it was sort of evened out with Adam and, and uh, Pogachar up there, and and Sepp and Jonas up there. Yeah, there's a so I have an email that that I was it was for JB Squared, but I think I should read this here because it's very important when you're comparing uh, Pogachar and Vingugo, right? Pogachar just seems much more confident, more of a killer, and uh, uh, Vingugo very understated, mm-hmm. very and even Johan commented in the post interview yesterday. He's like. I try my best tomorrow. Like that is not confidence. Like you would have never said that. You would have never said that. But this is important. Heidi wrote to us and said, I'm an American living uh, for over 20 years on the Northwest coast of Denmark, 30 kilometers from where Jonas was born and did his training. The area is called two. It's pronounced T H Y, but it's pronounced two. The natives here Northwest are notoriously understated and not very animated. So when a tubo, person from two says i'll do my best it really means i'll kick ass <laughs> when they mean something is really good they typically say not too bad uh Bjarne reese was from west of denmark though two hours further south of here and he also tremendously understated in interviews etc very hard for the interview to see the emotion or get him to say very many words. Regards and thank you for your knowledge and humor in the podcast. That's from yeah. Heidi. I cool. just think that's very important. I agree. When you see the interviews. I agree. Let's we, had, we have an update from uh, Stephen okay, about, about the, team, about, team GC. Oh, cool. He said it's in the back of our minds, but not the priority. We okay. must continue to fight for the podium and stage wins. And I suspect if we do this well, Team GC will take care of itself. I, I mean, yeah, if you're fighting for the podium with with Rodriguez and yeah. Pidcock uh, on mountain stages, you know, of course, keep in mind those the time gaps are, are so much bigger that, that it, it does take care of itself. Well, and also interesting what he said earlier was that they're not in a position to have to control. So their guys can go and break away mm. and Pitcock and Rodriguez can hang back and follow the, the GC contender. Yeah. Now there are teams that, that are not contending or in the past that certainly weren't continuing for a podium or even a top 10 team GC was, was a big deal. And they yeah. would, if they got themselves in that position, they would ride, they defend it Definitely. and put the team. And we, we oftentimes benefited from teams and, you know, class, you know, in the old days, Mobistar or, or you know, Benesto, those teams, they loved winning Team GC. You could almost guarantee that they were going to help you yep. at times, which is was kind of nice. Um, let's look at the profile tomorrow. I alluded to it a second ago, but it's this one's, ooh. That's I mean, a doozy. This is a doozy of a day. Um, uh, and, and, and despite it being a downhill finish after Zuplan, uh, uh, which, by the way, is almost 12 kilometers at 8.5%, it's a very hard climb. The thing, if you if you focus in on the profile, that that sort of false the section at the top that looks fairly flat, it just kind of goes forever. And the downhill, you it, it's tricky, it's twisty, it's turny, it's fast. The road's really smooth. It it gets you're done in a second, right? Yeah. Now the other thing I did, I pulled up uh, AccuWeather for the area there. They're calling for thunderstorms. Ooh. Summertime sort of it's very hot during the day, approaching ninety degrees, and the forecast is for some isolated thunderstorms. In the afternoon. Now, uh, having done that descent quite a few times, I know that I do not want to do that descent in, in a thunderstorm. It's, so just heads up on that. It could be, could be perfectly dry, but... And another thing that, about that top part where it sort of plateaus out, it's usually quite windy up there. So if, if a guy like uh, Jonas gets attacked and he happens to be with Sepp or one of his teammates, they can make up a lot of difference on that flat part if they stay together. Um, so I, I would guess... They'd be ready for an attack from Pogachar, and if they don't happen to make it, I would tell them at least stay together and make it make a huge difference on that. I think three. It's like a five k flat section, 
roughly, which you can make up a lot of time in that if you're with some teammates. Spencer, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Well, fun fact, you know who won this stage last time it happened, 2016? Juan is a gear. So keep an eye out for him. But I, yeah, that's I think Yumbo, I I look at that profile and I think, man, I would not have wanted to go all out the day before if I was a team. So Yumbo, I think they get Sepp Goose in the breakaway with two or three other Wout. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Wout's going to go in the breakaway. Wout's too. in the breakaway. Yeah. Maybe one other rider gets satellite riders up the road. That really puts pressure on UAE if Sepp is riding away. And then you have Wout. You can stash him somewhere along the route. You know, you'll catch him probably before the Jou plan. Ideally, as George is saying, what if you catch him on the top? Yeah. And then you have Wout Venart to pull you through that flat section. If you distance Pogacar, I mean, that could really open up some gaps. Yeah, I mean, that would be textbook. Yeah. That, that's the way, kids, that's the way you race bikes uh, and team tactics. That, yeah, that, that would be fun to watch. There's no, Jumbo has to make the breakaway tomorrow. Yeah. No doubt. They have to with well, one or two guys. And this, this, this sort of defends and, and supports their, the, their position or the way they've been riding with Sepp Kuz. Yeah. And that was, you know, we didn't necessarily understood it, but we kept looking at it going, but... I guess if you want to throw him in a break later on in the tour, then it makes sense. And this goes back to what Matteo said uh, yesterday. If you look at the profile and what Steve said on, on his quote was that the day before yesterday or yesterday, there was 100 attacks. Tomorrow, it's quite hard at the start. So only the best climbers can actually get away. I, I think yeah. it's not going to be a panic cooking attack. It's going to be on that category three or, or category one for that matter. And it's going to be some real, you know, climbers up there getting away. Uh, b- b- before we pull up, because we I, we um, we have the actual profile for the final climb, <clears throat> but and just keep it up there for a sec, Colton. But imagine if somebody just started listening to the move this year, right? And they're listening every day, and they're like, "Why do they keep? What is this word panic?" <laughs> like it's it's. I know we've explained it years ago, but like if it's a new listener, like what what, what kind of word is that? I don't even know how to spell it, so I can't Google it. Anyways, a panic cooking is like a, a is a. It's pancake. A, it's a pancake, but it's a, it's kind of a nobody, yeah. right? You know, not that it, not that there are any nobodies in the Tour de France, but in cycling, if you're a panic cooking, like you, know, you sort of just get onto the back. Yeah, I don't think there's any many panic cookings left in the whole Tour de France peloton right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so here's the profile of Juplan again. This is uh, I have a lot of history here. I had a seven minute lead uh, uh, going into this stage uh, over Jan and Pantani. Speaking of you know, early antics in a shorter, short-ish stage. Pantani went up the road. We had to ride. I was put, uh, not on the limit, but you certainly start thinking about it, start stressing about it, forgot to eat. Sorry, go back to the profile. And then you get to, to Juplant. It is, I think it's a very hard climb. Of course, with, with my history there, it was especially hard that day. Um, but uh, the numbers speak for themselves. Eight and a half percent on average. And that's with sections early on that are that are less so. So, and, and that, that section over the top is just, just kind of goes forever. And, and if it, watch the weather. That was all probably, probably not one of your favorite stages. For, for me, that was one of the most exciting stages. I mean, Pantani attacks us on a climb with 100K to go, which is something we had not seen at the Tour de France up until then. Johan, even Johan was kind of animated on the radio. Like, mm-hmm. you guys, you can't let this go. Got to right. keep it close. So we went full gas for the next couple of climbs in the valley. And it was just super, super high stress moment. You were yelling at us to go faster, keep them closer. In fact, you were so hyped up that you forgot to eat and fully bonked on that climb. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, so it was sort of a disaster day, but very exciting historical stage for us. And it was, it was I remember uh, very, very well, because we, <clears throat> at the bottom of the climb, I thought, all right, these assholes messed with us all day long. I'm going to kill these guys. 
So I send Livingston in the front. He, he's going Mach 2, and uh, we drop everybody. I'm alone. I'm like, see, this is what you do. You fuck with us. I'm going to kill it. And I got out there, and I was like, all of a sudden, I, some warning lights started coming on. I'm like, uh-oh, hang on. And then people started coming back to me. Jan came back, and then more warning lights came on. I'm like, okay, we have a real problem now. And then Jan rides away. I'm like, uh, and then Johan's back there like, listen, dude, you got seven minutes. Just all you got to do is get to the finish line. It's okay. But doesn't stop you from going, I'm, I'm going to lose the two. I'm going to lose seven minutes today, which is virtually not, impossible to do. But Not only that, but Pantani being the most iconic figure in cycling at the time, put us all under major, major pressure. Huge, stressful day. He got to the bottom of the Duplan. He goes, Seeing the douche, yeah, he got in the right. car, he went home. didn't yeah. even climb the mountain, but he messed with us so much, and that was his goal of the day. Um, and he complimented, he didn't care, he just went home, didn't yeah. even didn't even it, ride it, the it last was a very, time. Very complicated guy, and, and a sad ending, which yeah. uh, no, nobody nobody won there. Um, so I, I, you probably have some questions, JB, but I have a couple, yeah. I, yeah before we do, trivia. I just have a fun story, you know. Uh, is every day I kind of pick up on things that just throughout the day, um, stuff that that um, it sticks with me. And, um, and of course, everybody knows the show and knows, you know, I'm the I'm the bad guy. And, and George is just this sweet guy. In oh, fact, he tells people all the time. I thought it's going to be about Spencer or something. No. <laughs> he tells people, all, you know, he reminds people all the time just how nice he is, including uh, the nice young lady on the trail the other day. I'm the nice one. You know, he says stuff like that. <laughs> so he tells me that yesterday he goes for a mountain bike ride. He rides up to the top of Buttermilk, which is the longest 2,000 feet of vert. It's 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 hard. Uh, uh, and there's a really tricky downhill called uh, Bandit Trail. And it's, it's old school mountain bike trail. It's not this new stuff that's built up and bermed and smooth. It's, it's, there's roots and there's rocks and it's, it's, it's gnarly. It's one of those ones you get to the bottom and you're, you just got to shake your hands out. <clears throat> well, Mr. Nice Guy gets up there yesterday and, and there's some guy on a mountain bike. He's got all the gear on, like a full helmet, like with the mask and everything. And George says to the guy... Uh, and, and feel free to try to defend yourself here, George. He says to the guy, hey, um, you know, are you, gonna, are you about to go? And the guy's like, no, I'm about to send it. <laughs> yeah. He's got all this shit on you. He's like an enduro bike. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm about to send it. <laughs> and George's like, all right, well, then send it. And, and, <laughs> and so, and so but then Mr. Nice Guy sits there, as it was told to me, sits there for about a second. He's like, wait a minute. The fuck's this guy? I'm George Hincapie. I'm gonna, you're going to send it? I'm, I'm going to send it. And George, Mr. Nice Guy, Proceeds to get right on the guy's wheel on a, on a, just a cross country bike with not, you know, you know, uh, the BMC you're riding, it's got a decent dropper, but it doesn't, it's not an enduro bike and it's certainly not full gear. Mr. Nice guy gets right on his wheel and, and, and just sits on him for the first half or two third or first third or first, first half third, of it. Yeah. And finally the guy gets so frustrated he just pulls off, and and George was so happy about really? it. Well, then I said, "See you, douches." <laughs> so, so all this I nice, didn't see him again. all this nice guy stuff is. It could, there could be some uh, acting going on there. Smoked him on a downhill. That's a little thing. It's he can ride. Where we have fun. He doing. can ride a bike downhill. Wow, I'm impressed. That guy should have known. It's his fault. <laughs> All right, before we do the trivia and a couple of questions for you guys, we do have a couple of Jonah Tully coming up big. Ooh. There are two of them. The second one, I will say, is probably one of the best ones he's ever done. But the first one, <laughs> and thank you, Joe, for using a, a photo of my face that's at no less than 15 years old. Right, at least. <laughs> When it comes to barbecue, you need the best. Try my knives and meat seasoner. (laughs) 
Okay. These guys all thought it was so funny. Huckberry sent stuff, and it's, it's they all got clothes, and I got some meat seasoner and knife. You got cook. you got a pocket knife. I love all their cooking stuff that they suggest. That is good. You guys are down there by the lake. You got the grill oh, going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like you poured a couple of Chardonnays there. Yeah, that, yeah, they missed the mark on that. Yeah. But, uh, Joe did you a favor, though, for real, using that <clears throat> picture from, like, in 1999. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All right, now the other one. This is this is some of his best work. Oh, oh man. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> the oh, hipster boulder okay, dude. So all these hipster weirdos out there. Uh, this is a picture of, of me. That's what uh, the guy on the downhill looked like yesterday. He had one of those handlebar <laughs> yeah, stashes. Total hipster. So it's me on an old track bike, uh, you know, AKA Fixie. And I go, dude, let's go hit some tasty climbs, bro. <laughs> and of course, uh, and I've got a tattoo on my right forearm, uh, a right uh, bicep, uh, Fixie for life. And, 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 I, and, I, and I must ride for Team Boulder, dude. Boulder, dude. Boulder, dude. Grace has got one more year in Boulder. We've got a Boulder dude. Yeah, here. we what do have this? a Boulder dude. Do you yeah, ride a fixie right. around Boulder? I do ride a fixie around Boulder. What? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm not like it's not a cool fixie, but if it gets stolen, I don't. Here, here's the way this goes. I mean, you, you so you you alternate between your fixie and, and, and your rollerblades on your way to play pickleball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I think paddle now is a new thing. Padel, tennis. George knows all about it. Yeah, yeah that's that's taking over pickleball. More people taking over the tennis courts. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm. All right. Good job, Joe Natoli. Thank you. Uh, Ventum Trivia. You can win a brand new NS1 road bike by sending in your correct answer each day. And they draw from those. Yesterday's question is, who is this year's tour's oldest rider? And I am going to struggle with the pronunciation. Massiege Bodnar? Bodnar? Oh, yeah, Bodnar, yeah. Bodnar? Yep. I was I was I was really curious when that came up yesterday. I didn't know. What's what's his age? 38 years old. Yeah. Born in March of 85, Polish. Hmm. Wow. That's, there's your Did you know that? I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have said Cavendish probably cuz he's also 38. Yeah. It depends on I guess I wonder if it's still in the race. Today's question. By the way, we FaceTimed with Cav this morning. Yeah? Yep. 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 I got a little scoops. I, I got I got actually a lot of scoop. I, I want to George uh, caution me on on what to say and not to say. So I want I want to think about it. Maybe chat yeah. with him. But he's doing great though. He's doing good. He's with his yeah, family. He's back he's, home. The looks, kids were all happy. Kids were all in the FaceTime. Of course, everyone wants to know if he's going to add on another year. Well, That's of course, the go there, my, my scoop my scoops might have something. I don't know. I just yeah. when are you, these scoops happening? I don't know. Wait, <laughs> Jimmy, are we sure this is right? How old is Bodnar? He's 38. How old is Dries Devenins? Oh, what the, oh the, the, here we the, go. I never even here heard that go. name. Who is this guy? Who? Hold on. Who? Yeah, just look at the quick step team list, start list for this tour, and then look at Dries Devenins' age. Well, well you can just go, uh, what team is he on? Quick step. Qu- steppers. He's 39. 39, See, yeah. Thanks. See? I mean, <laughs> wow. Well, who gave us the answer? Uh, that, that came from someone at Ventum. I apologize. But, 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 but fear not. We have the propeller head Spencer Martin here. That, just, that is amazing. What a and call nothing, out. Nothing at his fingertips. <laughs> nothing, like no. you said earlier, he yeah. just out of his head right. pulled that out. Yeah. He was challenged. He would, uh, wow. Okay. See? Here now I have zero confidence in any of these. <laughs> 
Yeah, how tall is Marcel Seabird? Do we know? <laughs> is he really 6'6"? Six, six? Yeah, I actually think that's taller than I remember. I mean, he was a little bit taller than me, but Listen, not, I don't remember. All guys lie. We're, we're, we're throwing the whole contest into, yeah, sorry, into mayhem here. That up. Send in your answers. They Believe me, they will take into consideration if there's a couple of answers. They'll put you in the drawing. Trust me. Uh, today's question is, what was the first year the tour had the Grand Depart outside of France? Hmm. And where did it take place? Ooh. Find your answer. Send it in to trivia at VentumRacing.com. Interesting. And you could possibly have a brand new NS1. I love it. A couple quick questions for you guys. I know we're going a little bit long today. Um, if you, This is from Dan. If you were heading to France to ride with a bunch of mates in celebration of your 50th, where would you base yourself? We're a bunch of battlers, some, some bald, some gray, a, ch- a couple chubby guys. All uh, of modest fitness level, but we love riding. Love the show, as always. That's Dan in uh, New South Wales. Hmm. Where would you base? Boy, I, I, uh, it sounds to Dan, just from the description of the group, Dan, it sounds like it's uh, riding is not the first priority. Uh, it sounds like so there may be some other activities, you know, good food, good wine. Uh, I'm really uh, um, uh, partial to uh, where Anna and I got married last summer, an amazing spot called Chateau Lacoste, uh, owned by Patty McKillen. His sister, uh, Mara, runs it. Um, it, it's, it, and there's great writing. I mean, the, the rooms, the food, it, it, it's so next level. You can't believe it. Now you might have to refinance a couple of houses to stay, but if, you know, if that's in your thing, Dan, uh, it's unbelievable. The writing's incredible. And if you're and if some of the guys or yourself are feeling feisty, it's pretty close to the Vontu. So you could, um, I mean, you can, you can actually ride to the Vontu and do it. That might be a, a bit too much to bite off. But, you know, short drive, go ride Vontu, come back, hammer some good wine. Amazing art on the premises. Amazing. So I'm Chateau Lacoste and uh, uh, just outside of Marseille. Well, it's the 50th. They're probably going big. Let's go big. Go big. And this and, is and, a, just a invite fun. Invite us. <laughs> this is a fun question. Uh, it says, hi, guys. Love the show. My husband and I watch after we get our babies, ages one and four, to sleep at night and wake up early to watch the race in the morning. My husband and I hope that our two girls will love biking as much as we do. My question is, what do you recommend to teach a kid to ride a bike? Training wheels or no training wheels? And the second part of the question, uh, how did George get Enzo so excited to ride and eventually race? That's from Juliana out of Orange County. Okay. Good question. I'll let you talk about Zoe and I'll talk about training wheels. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question on Zoe. I mean, Lance, all you guys remember Zoe coming here for several years being this you know young sort of chubby kid that didn't love to go riding and uh one year i was in aspen and he was home but he was about 12 years old and all of a sudden it just clicked where he started really loving cycling and so i don't know if i had anything to do of course i had a lot to do with him being on the bike but something in his mind just clicked and he became obsessed with riding and i actually have a nine-year-old right now that i'm going through the same thing where i got to make him go biking in fact my buddy jake just took him for a bike ride today um, I'm hoping he has that click at some point uh, in the next few, year, few years as well. And you've shared in the past, like with Enzo, you're even trying to hold him back, like keep it fun. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, there's no holding him back. He's, he's full gas into it. Um, well, this is my little one riding today. I don't know if you can see that. We can see that. With, uh, with his best friend, Archie Honeycutt. That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> now, teaching your kids to ride. Okay. So here's the deal. All right. Um, absolutely. No way do you put training wheels on your kid's bike, ever. Mm. It's the worst thing you can do. And I'll expand on that in a second. But uh, 
no training wheels, get them a Strider bike, so which is the little bike that, that has wheels and has a handlebar and has a seat, but just doesn't have pedals. So they're essentially running along with the bike, pushing themselves. Of course, you know, when they're starting, don't start them down the concrete driveway and let them rip. You know, take them to the, um, you know, maybe a grass field or a local park. Let them do that there. Kids will eventually, once they start pushing themselves, what do they do next? They pick up their legs. Mm-hmm. That all, once they pick up their legs and they don't fall over, they are riding a bike. They're not pedaling, but they are riding a bike. They're figuring out the balance of the bike. So under no circumstance do you ever put training wheels on a kid's bike. Just mm-hmm. like, and, and these are all things that have come out. Like when we were raised, right, when uh, our parents were afraid we couldn't swim, they put those little floaties on our arms. The worst thing you can do for a kid. Don't put floaties on your, on your kid's arms. They don't understand the dynamic and the relationship between themselves and the water. And third point or third example, uh, which we also did. He's thought kids. about this before. <clears throat> I think about this stuff all the time. The third example is, you know, when we were kids our age, right? Uh, you know, parents would put us in those little walkers that had the little ring around it and the, and the wheels on the bottom. And you, were rip, you would rip around and, and you thought you were starting to learn to walk. This is the worst thing you could have done for a kid because the kid... <laughs> Listen, this is this is clinically all you nerds out there, all you propeller heads, all you child development nerds. Listen, you already know this. That is a, that's not good for a kid because the kid is starting to walk, but the kid cannot see their feet, so they're not associating what they're the brain and the feet are not so they're not connecting the two. Hmm. I'm. I'm I, I'm going to transcribe this and submit yeah, it to Parenting Magazine. Like, that's an article right um, there. Uh, uh, but, but in all honesty, I, 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 no training wheels. And I've, I've, I'm also convinced I could also break the Internet because I can teach a kid, and I've done this numerous times. I can teach a kid uh, that wants to, to learn how to ride a bike. I can teach them to learn how to ride a bike in less than an hour. Parents, you, wow. you heard it here. Lance is offering. Come to his house yeah. whenever you want. In the next two weeks, yeah. bring, bring your toddler, yep. and Lance will teach them. My how daughter to ride learned bike. that quickly. Yep, we d- found a gradual hill on in Zilker Park, and the momentum, and then and then she put her feet on. All the right, pedals. parents. So you got it right. So no training wheels, no arm floaties in the pool, and none of those little donut walkers to teach your kid to walk. What about the little bouncy things in the doorway? No, no, no. No, that's not. That's old science. What about yeah. yard darts? Yeah. We've got my son on the trainer. Three years old. He loves the trainer in the garage. He's got to get his the miles trainer. in. Oh, yeah. What? Loves the trainer. If it's rainy and he wants to get out, he's got to get those miles in. And then and you make him go through all the stats of his performance that yeah, day. That's right. Yeah. He's probably yeah. watching the show right You're now. You're over there quizzing him. Like, who's the, who's the, uh, uh, the third oldest rider in this Tour de France, Junior? <laughs> All right, questions. Send them in. The move at we do team. Yep. Tomorrow's a big day. Uh, wake up early. There'll be action early too. So if you're you know you're up early, you won't be disappointed. We'll see you guys tomorrow.